0: But first, uh, let's look at a great icon of South Australia. And when Captain Charles Sturt made his historic voyage down the the Murray River in his whale boat way back in uh, January 1830, I doubt he had any idea how much the magnificent waterway he discovered would change in the decades to follow. Of course, the rich resources of the River Murray have been uh, supporting Indigenous Australians for thousands of years and Sturt's glowing report of what he found led in part to South Australia being settled just over six years later. Now, 190 years on, almost, we're still struggling with maintaining the Murray-Darling Basin in a manner that's acceptable to all the various stakeholders, uh, and the problem is perhaps they're spread over four states, with accusations of farmers uh, effectively stealing water to political point scoring over calls for judicial inquiry still on the headlines. I thought it might be useful to put the importance of the Murray-Darling into some context for uh, us as South Australians, and uh, we're we're joined by Sandy Pitcher from the, uh, the she's the of the Department of Environment, Water and Natural Resources. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Alan, How
1: are Thanks you? Thanks for coming in.
0: Thank you. Look, uh, most of us uh, would have at some stage, you know, been on a houseboat or up to a shack or visited some friends or, or has a shack on the Murray River. But it's uh, more, much more to the South Australian state economy than just a, a place for recreation, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I think when we think about the river, it kind of evokes lots of emotions for mm. many of us in South Australia. And I think it's one of the best examples of something that's absolutely critical for the um, environment for the economy of South Australia and, like you say, for the people, the connection. So it's it's the ultimate example of something that's the triple bottom line,
0: if you like. Mm. And we've uh, we've played a really big role in managing the river since it was discovered. As I say, you know, uh, Captain mm-hmm. Sturt went down there in his whale boat, believe it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And then, it, of course, when he got to the mouth, he had to row back. Well, I'm sure he didn't do much rowing. No, no, direct, he had to go back up the river. people, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we've put in locks and so forth we've actually helped manage the, the our end of the system, haven't we?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of human intervention, but um, in one sense probably that human intervention has come because we have been taking a lot of water out of the river mm. along the way. So um, certainly in times before white settlers, the, the river was running its natural course and I think was probably able to run much more as a natural system with human intervention. There's need to be lots of human protection perhaps as well mm. and a bit of a realisation using the science and understanding that we're gathering that our effects can sometimes have um, consequences that we hadn't foreseen
0: and that's part of the issue, isn't it? Uh, I mean, that that became particularly uh, evident in the Millennium Drought, mm. uh, where effectively it almost dried up. I mean, there were parts of the Murray River where you could walk across the river if yeah. you wanted to get your feet dirty in the mud, but uh, that was almost unimaginable.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, river systems and Australia certainly has had droughts over over time, however, when you're actually throwing in a lot of human intervention, um, agriculture and irrigation that we've done, it's actually not the same as comparing it to, to times over the past mm. centuries. There's a lot of differences there. And so that's what we need to be really mindful of and continue to learn and explore. There's so much about our river system that we learn about after all of these different events.
0: And that's why um, the uh, the overarching organisation was set up, the Murray-Darling Basin Authority, mm. And as I mentioned in the intro, part of our dilemma is we've got four states with a very big, big vested interest in this, haven't we? We've got Queensland, yeah. New South Wales, Victoria and us. Unfortunately, we're at the bottom end, so we reap the benefits of, or the disbenefits yes. of what goes on up, uh, up, up the river. Um, how difficult is that process because there's so many parties involved?
1: Look, I think there, you're right to say there's four states involved and that's tough. And I think most South Australians feel that, you know, we are united at being at the end of the river and mm. perhaps have the high moral ground of seeing all of the effects, good and bad, because at the end of the river system, that, that's what happens. But there's a lot of interest. I wouldn't like to say that everyone in other states doesn't care about the environment mm. of the river here, too. I think that there's, um, not everyone in each state feels the same, and obviously you 've got people with different economic interests, but also I think all of Australia wants a healthy ri- river system and The Murray Darling Basin Authority is i suppose a creation of lots of different governments trying to um, balance lots of competing interests, but with a view to having um, an overall sense of keeping the river healthy and Um, functioning for the needs of Australians and that's really the challenge that that we've really focused on in my department and certainly the community of South Australia.
0: And part of the dilemma too, uh, from from where I'm sort of sitting, looking in is we have two areas of concern for the the entire basin. There's the economic uh, role that it plays, Mm -hmm. you know, irrigation and, and water supply and so forth versus, in some people's minds, The environment, Mm. and really, they're equally as important. But we don't tend to hear as much about the environment as far as uh, the 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 challenges are concerned.
1: No, that's right. And I think um, actually the two other guests here today we able to talk a lot more about that. I think from where I sit, actually, the environment is the thing that perhaps we look at the science and think, what can you get back, and what can't you get back, and Mm. and I. I personally really worry about some of the damage that can be done where um, perhaps over irrigations happened in other parts of the river system where you just actually won't be able to repair that. You can't wait for another day and another rainy day perhaps. Mm. And so for me, the thing that I think is so important for the river system is understanding that those trade-offs are not just ones that we can put off to another time. We have to make hard decisions now. And I think for many South Australians, it feels that um, many of our irrigation communities made really hard decisions back in the 60s and 70s and have been doing that. And I think sometimes when it gets into the political argy-bargy, the debate is about who's made the hard efforts and when did they make them. That's part of the challenge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And and it's something that we all have to take responsibility for. Look, also with us today, we've got the presiding member of the South Australian Murray-Darling Basin Natural Resources Management Board. (gasps) Big, big breath after that. (laughs) Sally uh, Uh, Starrick. Sharon, sorry, Sharon. Karen Sturrie, um, thanks for coming in. Good to see you.
2: Great. Great to be here.
0: Um, what, uh, From your point of view, what do you hear from the users and so forth, uh, uh, particularly in South Australia, about what's going on upstream?
2: So I can probably comment um, about um, people in my local community and across the region, which is the South Australian Murray-Darling Basin. Uh, the vast majority of people understand that we actually do need a a healthy river to have healthy communities and to have a healthy regional economy, which obviously underpins the state economy Mm. as well. So it doesn't matter whether I'm talking to irrigators, whether I'm talking to farmers, um, local government um, members, um, whether it's um, people based in Manum or up in in the Riverland, communities do understand... That we do need the river to be healthy, whether it's um, about supplying water for irrigation and agriculture in South Australia, whether it's about people's drinking water, or whether we're also talking about water for the environment. So that's making sure that we do have a healthy river in the long term, but it's also about so people can um, enjoy and it's amazing, one of, the, one of the learnings from the drought, the Millennium Drought, mm. was when people saw the river dying, it really impacted on people's mental well-being and their own, their own health in their own families. So it is just so vitally important to us all.
0: Cast your mind back to that drought, uh, Lake Alexandrina, Lake Albert. I mean, it was, it was tearful. Uh, what was going on down there um, mm-hmm. what Lake Albert we had to have actually cut it off didn 't we, and the lake basically turned sour uh, not only did it dry up, but the water that was left was uh, turned sour. Lots of farmers down there, uh, but the general community um, you know it's it 's part of our history, and that 's what happened because a drought came along. We will have another drought, so that 's why the 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 plan is so important. The damage that 's been done uh, as um As Sandy said, sometimes can't be uh, undone, can it? Um, Can you give us an example of that?
2: Um... I I, I guess I can't give a a really good example. Well, I could give an example around, um, for instance, soil uh, acidity. Yes, that's. So down around um, Murray Bridge, there's an area which we call the Lower Murray Irrigation Area, and um, prior to the drought, it was a very um, productive area. Um, A lot of uh, dairy farmers were based in that area. Um, It. It was highly, highly productive. Uh, Not too many issues. There were were some concerns in terms of salinity, but really that was kept um, under very good management at that time. When the drought came along, a lot of the dairy farmers couldn't access, physically couldn't access water. Couldn't get to it. Absolutely, Mm. because they um, um, they don't use pumps um, to pump, water over the bank, they actually use things like sluice gates and those sorts of things so they actually physically couldn't access the water because the river levels had dropped so drastically. What it did end up meaning is um, firstly we had a lot of um, dairy farmers who actually left the industry mm. which is really sad when we have such a great industry in South Australia and an industry that is very well suited to that particular area in South Australia as well. Um, we also then found that we ended up with acid sulphate soils, which means that our soils, those um, lower Murray irrigation area soils, actually dried out to such a degree and and were basically producing acid, which was um, making its way back, providing acidic water back into the river if it wasn't managed. So that was one example of where we reached a tipping point mm where we can't wind back the clock, we can now manage manage it and look at managing it well, but we can't reverse what's already happened. So we actually need to learn from that and make sure that we don't get into that position again.
0: Absolutely. But to counter that, uh, one of the successful initiatives is the Chowla Station, uh, which is a wonderful part of the river, up, up in the, the, the riverland. Um, that's been a wonderful success story, hasn't it, of actually rescuing that area?
2: It absolutely has, and I'm sure Sandy could actually talk a little bit more about that. But in terms of putting regulators, which is a great big device, which um, helps to hold back water in some of the wetlands and then allow them to dry out, has been fantastic for um our manage, managing our wetlands and manage, managing them in a much better way mm. than what we could have um, previously.
0: And Sandy, that's that's really significant, isn't it? Uh, because for example, the, the iconic Red Gum, the River Red Gum, yeah. I mean, you know, it's named after the river for God' goodness sake. It wants to be flooded one year. It wants to dry out the next year. We need to have this process in place, but we need to have the resources to do it. We do. And, and, and is a good example.
1: And it is, and I agree with you that it's a great example of where we've been able to do something positive for the river, but I still feel that it came out of the crisis and and in that sense I think that's probably the feeling that South Australians have about our river is that a lot of the great stories we have to tell are because we've really seen just how serious and dire the situation was and we've, we've worked together as a community to get those outcomes and so it is a great success but it it was a sign of just how serious things had had
0: deteriorated
1: I suppose absolutely
0: yeah give us a call if you've got a story about the Murray River I'm sure uh, it's uh, played a big uh, role in your life Uh, 8223 0000 we'll come back after the break and have a bit of a chat about what's happening down the lower lakes and uh, um, the the fact that they're you know world heritage listed uh, is is an absolute uh, big tick for South Australia but that means we've got a responsibility to look after them all 10 minutes away from two, and a reminder that the world is on sale now at Flight Centre. You can fly around the world, stopping in Hong Kong, London, and LA from just $1,479. Return. Yes, they'll even bring you back. Call Flight Centre now on 131 600. Now, we've got a, a, a lineup of special guests in the studio talking about uh, a great. Uh, Asset of uh, South Australia, and in fact the lifeblood of South Australia. In uh, in, in, in some uh, ways, we're talking about uh, the Murray uh, the Murray River, and of course it's attached to the Murray Darling Basin, which has been in the news quite a bit lately with claims of uh, water being removed from the Murray without permission, It's effectively being stolen. Uh, let's have a look at uh, further down the, downstream, though, at the moment, and, and uh, the uh, the lower lakes, and particularly the Coorong. We've got Fiona Patton, who's with us, uh, and she's an environmental sci- scientist uh, with uh, the Koorong and Lower Lakes Environmental. Oh, yeah. So there's no organisation. You're just, you're just the expert.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Ian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, tell us about just how significant those lower lakes in the Koorong particularly are. I mean, we were talking during the break that uh, if you go back, it's in the news at the moment that uh, the new episode of Stormboy, the new film of Stormboy is being filmed down there at the moment as we speak. I hope they weren't filming yesterday in that wind. Um, but it's a good uh, uh, indication of how the Koorong used to look when that film was made originally. It looks a bit different now, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, it does, Alan. Um, And I guess my experience in the Coorong is from monitoring it as part of a team from the University of Adelaide um, for the past 20 years. And even in those 20 years, we've seen significant changes. Um, But certainly um, it's a very changed system from even back in the 80s Mm. when it was named as a a Ramsar wetland of international significance. And it's important on this level. It provides a number of um, various um, unique habitats from the freshwater systems of the lower lakes right through to the hypersaline systems of the of the South Lagoon. And it's really important um, on an international level because it provides habitat for some shorebirds that migrate from the northern hemisphere here. Yeah. But in terms of the Murray-Darling Basin, it's also a really important wetland because it's a drought and summer refuge. So when wetlands inland don't have water in summer and in droughts, the Coorong still does and so it can, it can provide a refuge for, for these birds, and there are other birds too that um, use it as a breeding ground, and so it's therefore really important in in a lot of different ways.
0: Um, has has there been a been a, a movement in the number of birds that actually migrate there each year over the years?
3: Yeah, actually. Um, this year was um, one of the lowest um, mm. abundances of some shorebirds ever recorded uh, in, in the Coorong. Um particularly prominent species we saw at one percent of their long term median abundance, so that system is, is is really struggling from a bird perspective, but also from other perspective, um, an aquatic plant in the southern lagoon, which is a really critical Food um, com- component of the food web um, is also um, lacking resilience in terms of having a very low seed bank. So, being an annual plant, having seeds to grow back the following year when when water levels increase um, in in spring, it, it, it's really important, and it really is lacking that resilience to get through through the next drought.
0: And historically, too, the the, the role the Kurong played. Um, you know, if we go further further uh, west. Uh, sorry, further east along the Coorong, the wetlands down around, uh, you know, the lower southeast, the channels and so forth were put into drain. We've been playing with it ever since White Man arrived, haven't we?
3: Yeah, um, I mean, significant changes um, have probably occurred um, in terms of the Coorong um, when we also had the, the barrages built mm. um, back in the 1930s. Mm. So, yeah, there there are a number of um, uh, of interventions along the way, but also I think... Primarily, it's that reduction in flows um, in the Murray-Darling Basin in, in more recent decades that's really started to affect the ecology and health of, of the Coorong and, and Murray-Mouth region.
0: And Sandy Pitcher, the boss of the Department of Environment, Water and Natural Resources, that comes back to the point we made earlier, doesn't it? That we have to have this juggling match between making a living out of the Murray and the Darling um, and uh, looking after the environment. It's a, it's a tough one. We
1: absolutely do. And I, it is tough, but we're so lucky to have scientists like Fiona and many others who actually help us get the information to make the right decisions and right choices. And I think the thing that we in South Australian government are really saying is we've got this information, we've also got the Goida Institute and others and now the responsibility is on all of us to act on that Mm -hmm. information and that's probably the overriding message that we as South Australia put into our colleagues across Australia we know what some of the opportunities are, and we know the harm, so we have to make the right choices
0: okay, so how do we react then to the claims made recently that uh, you know there is water actually being removed from the system without permission, effectively stolen, mm. um, and the politics then takes over getting instead of drilling down and pardon the pun, but drilling down and getting to the bottom of the problem, the politics takes over, and well, there are calls for a judicial inquiry that 's not what we 've got so far um where are we at with that what what's your view look i suppose um you know
1: all of that i guess the reason the politics happens is because it is so important and i'd be i'd be a sad citizen of south australia if people weren't making a noise about it because when you find out something like that 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 is shocking you do want people to to get off their seats and say hey this isn't this isn't right Mm. but probably the thing that we need to keep doing is not let just the argy-bargy be the topic we actually need to go well why why is it so vital to not have this water taken out of the system and the reason is as fiona says that the flows are so important and and that flow needs to happen down the river to have all of the multitude of effects that it can have and it's sometimes not necessarily what's um, visible to someone's eye standing looking at the river, but actually looking at the effects over time of the way that water's used that is really where we're looking to educate and communicate with people mm-hmm. about. Uh,
0: and the, 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 the authority, um, is it heading in the right direction? Is it, being, is it managing the system properly?
1: Oh, look, I think that, as we talked about earlier, they've got one of the hardest jobs in Australia Mm. in that sense. Mm. But the plan is there and we've all agreed to the plan. And so every time um, we talk about the plan being delivered on time and in full, and so things like this latest um, expose that people are taking water, it's in breach of the plan, it is in breach of the laws that we've agreed. And that's the part that I think we need to focus on. And the reason that it's so important is that plan is almost the minimum case that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So anything that takes back from that, we know is going to have a hugely detrimental effect. That wasn't the high benchmark. That plan is is the absolute minimum we need to to achieve a healthy flowing river system, and that's what makes it so vital.
0: Absolutely, and uh, we'll watch with interest, and uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that, uh, you know, we can cut through the politics and and make a a positive uh, outcome out of all this. Thanks so much for your time. Sandy uh, Pitcher from uh, the uh, Department of... um, uh, environment, water and uh, natural resources. Uh, also, uh, Sharon Starrick, who uh, is on the South Australian Murray-Darling Basin Natural Resources Management Board. Can I see your business card, please? <laughs> Both sides must be covered. <laughs> and uh, also, um, uh, uh, sorry, Fiona Patton. Hey, I've just realised, who's. are you related to another Patton? I am. <laughs> How? Uh,
3: who's my father?
0: Oh, I wish I had <laughs> known that at the beginning of the... I have sat with your father in the Kurong watching birds run across the... Oh, dear. not
3: surprising. I think many people have sat <laughs> oh, yeah. watching birds Lovely to meet you, Fiona. When you say 20 known. years
1: of experience, it's an a lived
0: experience beyond. Absolutely. So how, how much of your childhood did you spend in the Kurong with Dad sitting in the sand?
3: <laughs> yeah, a fair bit. I f- think I was tipped into the mud when I was um, still being carried around on his backpacks. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Fabulous. Well, listen, um, Dad's in... Tassie now, isn't he? No, Where's, no, uh,
3: it's in Adelaide. He's
0: still here. Yeah. Give him uh, our regards. One we'll of the do. biggest experts on the Koorong, and obviously you're following in his footsteps, so take care. Look after it for us. Thanks, okay. Okay, uh that's. Okay, uh, we'll go to the news and get to the latest on what's happening around the world.